Welcome to Dangerous Christianity with Dr. Christopher Rodkey, where we explore new ways of being Christian that go against the grain, stands up against the church when it's evil, speaks truth to power, and reclaims the Bible as a radical message of hope, liberation, and justice. Dr. Rodkey is pastor of St. Paul's United Church of Christ in Dallastown, Pennsylvania, and leads the sacred profane community, a post-faith gathering for those seeking to nurture a literate and misfit geeky, sometimes sneaky, as well as a queer-affirming and beer-affirming spirituality. All information mentioned throughout the program is listed in the show notes. And now, please welcome Dr. Christopher Rodney. Our scripture reading today is from Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 13 through verse 34. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, Strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The parable of the rich fool is an example of a parable tells a crowd 
And then he immediately explains the meaning to the disciples. That's not always how this goes. It's often left to be a mystery or it's explained later. The parable goes like this. A guy has so much stuff that he doesn't know what to do with it all. So he deconstructs his barns and reconstructs them to be bigger and more appropriate for the quantity of stuff that he has. And how, I, how Jesus says this, I think is funny. In verse 19, the rich man has a conversation with himself where he tells himself where, what he will say, which is weird, saying, I'll tell my soul, soul, you have ample goods, so relax and enjoy life. And then the guy dies. The punchline of the story is in verse 21. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Jesus then explains further what this means. And it's a continuation of other things we've been hearing from Luke as we've been going through this every week. Don't worry about the future. Live for right now. But not in the sense of blow your money on things right now, but be mindful of what is around you and how you relate to things around you and what is considered valuable to you. Be like nature, he says. Lilies don't worry about the future. The birds don't worry about the future. Nature lives in the present. Nature lives in the eternal now. The grass always grows. But strive for the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God will take care of the world and God will take care of you. After you're gone, the sun will still set and the moon will still rule over the night. But you can be assured that you matter to God and you are counted by God. And none of this has anything to do with the things that you hoard for yourself. Seek out happiness and no one can take that away from you. And famously, Jesus says in verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's an interesting thing going on in the Greek language that doesn't really translate into English, which is worth bringing out here, uh, because it changes the meaning of it a little bit. If you look at verse 33, the word for possessions, as in sell your possessions, is an old form of Greek, ta hyperkontra, which is so old and unusual that this word is actually not in many Greek dictionaries of the time. There unfortunately isn't a way of translating this word into English, and it comes from really, really ancient Greek. But what this is saying is not just sell your possession, but sell whatever's at your disposal, and not just things at your disposal, but the the objects that you place your identity in or define yourself with. Sell your possessions, but sell the possessions that are most meaningful to you as if they are at your disposal to give away. Now, what does that mean? We all have things that have some value to us in one form or another that we treasure. Paintings, trinkets, diplomas, books, titles, collections. It isn't just money and it's not just things that need to be given away, but rather the things that give us a false sense of identity. I'm sure you've met people who live as if they're able to take their possessions with them when they die. Or even if they don't believe it, their relationship to their possessions is oriented in a way that they might as well be storing up their possessions for after they are gone. Or they believe that their accumulations of of possessions has some value to them in the next life, even if they cannot take it with them. 
There's an old story about a man who believes he can take his wealth with him when he dies. So the man gathers his pastor, his investment banker, and his lawyer to sit down with him in the hospital before he's about to die and explains to him what his wishes are. He wants to take whatever money he has left with him when he is dead and buried. He arranged it so that each of the, each of the men he spoke to, the banker, his lawyer, and his pastor, would each receive $2,000 for complying with his wishes and making sure that the others let it happen. When he dies, he instructed, the banker is to withdraw all of his money plus the $2,000 for each of them. And they're to ride in a limousine together with the money to the church, from the church funeral to the graveyard. And when they get to the graveyard, they are to witness each other, making sure all the money is in the casket and making sure that they see it covered up with him in the ground. So after the guy dies and the funeral happens at the church, the preacher and the banker and the lawyer in the limousine, and the banker finally speaks up. They know that they all know this is wrong, he says, but we're also fulfilling a dead man's desires. We all agreed to this. But the banker said, I think I have a way out of this. So he asked the lawyer how much money is in the car with them. And he tells them to leave it in the car when they go to the grave site. And the pastor said the committal prayers. And they opened the casket up one last time to put the money in. And the, the other two go back to the limousine to get the money. And he says, wait a minute. And he wrote a check out and put the check into the casket. And he said, we can put this check in the casket and fulfill his wishes, right? In the parable of the rich fool, Jesus is talking about things that we have that we place our identity in in ways that obstruct us from being who we really are or ideally are before God. In verse 33, Jesus is saying to sell those things and to give alms. Give those things that give you a false sense of identity. Give it to the poor. Jesus says in verse 31, the kingdom of God will be given to you. The theologian Richard Rohr points to this story in his writings as demonstrating that there are two types of spirituality. Now, there's many ways of being spiritual or practicing spirituality, but ultimately they fall into two categories. That which makes sense for the early part of life and that which makes sense for the later part of life. The problem is that most of us get caught up in the first and never really move to the second. Both of them have to do with how we relate to possessions. The first type or the earlier type of spirituality is that we spend much of our lives trying to gain possessions, whether it's status or things or money or homes or lifestyles, or even things that we allow to shape our identity. We spend a lot of trouble working under a kind of compulsion toward objects and things. The problem isn't so much possessions as it is our possessiveness. Why do kids fight over stuff all the time? Well, that's because that's what kids do. That's the spirituality they understand and how they relate to objects. When kids fight over stuff, though, it's practice for how adults relate to things later. We're just a little nicer about it. And none of this has anything to do with things we hoard for ourselves. Jesus says, remember, Jesus says, seek out happiness that no one can take away from you. As children, we construct rules and packages that make sense about our faith and our objects and how we relate to things 
like the church or the schools or the community or other people. We complain that others are getting more than their fair share, but not recognizing how that relates to us spiritually. We do this all the time. All you have to do is listen to politics for a few minutes and you hear it. We package our faith up into a container where we are the hero of our own universe and, what is, and we determine what is just and what is fair, and it all has to do with me, me, me. The second kind of spirituality is about overcoming possessiveness. Richard Moore says very few people really do this. I think this is true. And this is precisely the invitation that Jesus is making to us clear in this story today. Jesus is offering us an opportunity to overcome our possessiveness. You can say that you've overcome your possessiveness, but it's another thing to actually do it, to demonstrate that you have overcome your possessiveness by outrightly giving away your possessions, and not just any possessions, but the ones that are close to you that seem to give you identity. That's hard to do, especially when some of us collect things. Jesus is saying that we have to overcome our possessiveness. The writer Paula D'Arcy describes this better than I can in a memorable story in one of her uh, memoirs. She describes how a friend of hers got the call that no parent wants to get, that her son in his 20s was killed in a car accident driving back to the college. And uh, Paula's friend called her, uh, her friend that lost the child uh, called Paula to ask her to come to the hospital to identify the body with her. After being there for a little while, her friend looked at the lifeless body of her son one last time and said, he never really was mine, was he? Concluding that even if our children are gifts, we have to recognize that we have to let go of gifts sometimes. They were never really ours in the first place. So the woman asked Paula if they could pray. And the mother said, as she prayed, God before me is the greatest gift you have ever given me. And now I give him back to you. Thank you. Thank you for all these years. And in this moment, I give him back to you. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could say those words in that moment. In fact, it's sort of hard for me to even repeat the story. When Jesus says to give your possessions away, it's about letting go of the possessiveness that we not only have toward things, but it's also about the possessiveness that we allow things to have over us. Again, possessions possess us. If life really is a gift, and if we live life as a, as a gift, we have to learn to live in a way that reciprocates that gift and gifting, no matter what might come to us in life. When tragedy meets us, it does not rupture or crush the container we have placed our spirituality in if we live our lives as a gift, acting as if our spirituality is something we possess rather than release ourselves from the possessiveness and the power of possession. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, so be it. Thanks for joining me for Dangerous Christianity, which is my sermon podcast. 
from St. Paul's United Church of Christ in Dallastown, Pennsylvania. This is Pastor Chris Rodkey. If you'd like to give a donation to the church, you can uh, find the instructions in the show notes for the podcast, or you can email a tax-deductible donation to St. Paul's United Church of Christ, which is an open and affirming ministry, at 205 West Main Street, Dallastown, Pennsylvania, 17313. And feel free to contact me directly if you have prayer requests or concerns or thoughts to share. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Dangerous Christianity. For more information about how to get involved in the movement, how to contact Dr. Christopher Rodkey, or where to find information regarding his preaching itinerary, publications, or how to make a contribution to his ministry, please refer to the listed show notes. Dr. Rodkey, again, would like to thank all of his listeners for continuously supporting and tuning into his work and message. Thank you.